children of the king. Amen. Thank you for so much. Well, I've enjoyed the music this morning. How about you? Thank you. Whoops. Well, are you glad you're here this morning? How many would rather be here than in prison? Can I see your hands? All right. Somehow, some way, sometimes we sometimes fail to realize what a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. The psalmist said in 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We can rejoice together in God's goodness this morning. I trust that the services has already been a blessing to you. Last week, we, in the life of Christ, uh, we looked at the widow, and uh, she lost her son. You all remember that? And how important it is in that story that we see there that as Jesus comes on the scene with his entourage, Coming into this city, we see a group of folks going out to a funeral. And I said last week that you're in one of those two groups. You're either heading to a city or you're heading to a funeral. And I hope that this morning you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Josh, thank you for that testimony. I'm sure that many of you could relate to that. You struggle with your salvation. Or maybe you did accept the Lord as a a child and yet there necessarily all the changes that take place as someone who later on in life accepted the Lord. And so 
you can struggle with it. The most important thing that I can say to all of us today is you need to make sure that you do know where you're going to spend eternity. It's far better to get that settled no matter what you're going on in your life, whatever age you are. If you're not certain of it, just then make certain of it and, and uh, put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because there's no other way to get to heaven than through Jesus Christ. So I appreciate your testimony this morning and the testimony of God's word. I pray that it'll be a blessing to us as we now continue on in our study. And, and I'm going to be jumping around from Matthew to Luke. So you probably could put your finger in both places as if you can handle it that way. We uh, played three songs in a row uh, for the beginning medley, as Ernie led us so wonderfully in that. Sometimes it's hard to juggle some different places. So I will be jumping around in these uh, uh, verses here, and you'll see that on the screen, and I hope that I can do that. One of the things is, as, as this timing of the, the, uh, the Lord coming down and going uh, to name that 25-mile uh, trip, and getting there just at the right time when this widow was coming out. Many of you were here last week and you remember that. Just God's timing. God's working. It can be a flat tire. It could be whatever is going on in our lives. We don't have per chances. There's not accidents. There are strategic plans that God has for our lives. Do you believe that same man? Because, you know, as we get into the life of John the Baptist, there's some questions that could come into our minds that maybe you've had about the struggles that you go through in your life. And Jesus was spirit-led. And as I said last time, how that this widow probably didn't even know who Jesus was. And how important it is for us, not necessarily to be asked for things, but to be spirit-led so that we can be sensitive to the needs of others. God can prompt you in your heart of what he wants you to do. And it's wonderful to not to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Understand that that is God's Spirit speaking to us. That's the creator of the universe dealing with our hearts and showing us things that we should uh, respond to. And as I get into this message this morning, I, I uh, got up this morning thinking about how that uh, there were ten miracles that took place in Matthew 8 and 9 and People saw the power of God, but yet many hearts were hardened. I wonder, how tender is your heart this morning? How tender is my heart this morning? I want to challenge you folks here this morning, myself this morning, to keep our hearts tender to the Lord. It can grow hard, can it? Very easy. We can get used to what's taking place around us. We get into the Bible. We come to church. And it can become like water on a duck's back. Oh, I'm telling you, my friends, don't let it come that way. Keep your hearts tender. Because God has a way of breaking our hearts, doesn't he? Uh, Jeremiah 23, 29 says that the word of God is like a hammer. And he can take an old hard heart and he can take a hammer and he can crack it. And those cracks then allow his word to sink in and make the right changes that he would have us to be. Oh, Father, help us with that. Amen? I, I just pray, I, I'm so concerned that we can come into the motions of church. Keep the fire burning in your soul. 
When was the last time that God showed you things in your life that you needed to correct? By the way, it can be on a daily basis, isn't it? The closer you get to the Lord, the more you hear His voice. The bigger those things that we do wrong appear in our lives and we come and say, Oh God, please forgive me. This week, I was reading through the book of Nehemiah, and, and I tell you what, it's amazing how much stuff I don't know in these various books in the Bible. It's amazing to me. And there in the national revival that takes place at the end of the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8, uh, in our Bible Pathways, if you're using that book, I hope that you are uh, going through the Bible or having some type of devotions. But in Bible Pathways, they were talking about this national revival, and the people said, we want to hear the Word of God. They had been in captivity for 70 years, and the dearth and the, the, the drought that was in their spiritual lives. Oh, it ought to be that way with us. God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Do you have a thirsting for God's word this morning? Do I have a thirsting? Can I just can't wait but to hear what does the preacher have to say to me? How's God going to work in my heart? Prepare our hearts before we come. Oh God, help me to have a broken heart. And as they prayed and asked that the Lord would eat, the, the scriptures were open unto them. And it was interesting. I didn't see this, Pastor Nathan, before. But in chapter 8, verse 8 of Nehemiah, it says that the Levites went around to the folks and helped them to understand what was being said. I thought that was interesting. I hadn't seen that. Oftentimes in our Sunday school classes, it can take place that way, where we have a give and take. In fact, after this service, most of our Sunday school teachers ask questions. What did we get out of the service today? And so these Levites were there to help them to understand what was being said. And then as the word of God was preached, there was conviction. And the Bible says that they wept. When was the last time you wept over your sin? When was the last time you came to the altar and said, oh God, forgive me? When was the last time you got down by your bed and said, oh God, be merciful? Or do we just take it so lightly when the creator of the universe speaks to our hearts? You see what I'm saying? A broken heart. When was the last time God broke your heart? I'm telling you what, he breaks my heart almost daily because of how short I He speaks and he shows those things that are needing to be changed. This week I had to write down on my blessing book, my prayer journal, the things that God asked me to change in my life. When was the last time? And have we responded? Let me tell you something, my friends. If you don't respond, your heart will grow cold and hard. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. They wept. The Bible says, and, and then Bible Pathways does such a good uh, part here about if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Thank the Lord for that. He goes on and, and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on 
in Bible Pathways, or she, I think it was the writer here, it is hard to look back over a life that is filled with regrets. The sins of our past loom large in our minds, and oftentimes the memories of these sins cause us to doubt our current worth. Yet, once a sin is confessed, God forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He has wiped the slate clean, and He expects us to do the same. Instead of wallowing in needless guilt, God asks that we join Him in celebration of our return home. You get that? That's powerful, isn't it? I can get up off my knees. He's broken my heart. And I can weep. And I can say, God, forgive me. Then I can get up and thank the Lord for His truth of His Word. Amen? So thank the Lord for that. Holding on to sin, he finishes up this uh, Bible study, that God has forgiven is to claim, let me read it again, holding on to a sin that God has forgiven is to claim that His decision has not closed the matter, even beyond regret. This is a very prideful stance to take. That's an interesting comment. We think we just got to keep beating ourselves up. No, no, let the preacher beat you. Then you ask God to forgive you, and then let's get on with the journey that God has for us. Amen? All right, so those are the things, and why don't we just ask that God will speak. Father, I pray that you will break our hearts. I pray that you'll work here. And, and as we, we pray for revival in our own lives, Lord, I pray that you'll speak today. Oh, Father, help us not to let the word just sit on the outside, but let it penetrate into our soul. And we're going to praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So you have your scriptures there. And uh, we're going to be looking at John the Baptist this morning. And there's a lot said here about John the Baptist. Again, this is in the second year of Jesus' ministry. He is the forerunner. He gets out there and he preaches. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. There's a lot said in the Bible about John the Baptist. And in fact, I was marveled at this passage of scriptures and other passages of scriptures. As you bring them together, John the Baptist was about 30 years of age when he started his public ministry. He preached about six months before the Lord came onto the scene and was baptized. But what we're going to see in this uh, story today is that John is in prison. He actually preached, if you can keep these thoughts in mind, approximately a year and a half. That's as long as his ministry was. A year and a half. It's interesting as we, we look at this and he's, he's thrown into prison. You, you can start asking questions. Here, here's a godly man. In fact, the Bible says there's none greater born amongst women who is a prophet than John. And yet he's in prison. We need to understand that this story is in the Bible. There are good things that happen to bad people and there's bad things that happen to good people. And this can create some confusion in our lives. He baptizes the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's in this pit in the conclusion of his life. In uh, Matthew's account, we'll read there and then we'll go to, to, to Luke's account. 
It says, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ. Okay? So understand that John probably has been in prison now for six months. Okay? So you get some of these dates, and I'll try to keep them fairly simple for us, but, but he preaches, and, and then Jesus comes on the scene about six months after he's preaching. He baptizes them. And remember what he says? He says, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes or the sandals of his feet. And, uh, and he preaches for about another year, and then now he's in prison for about six months. And it says he heard in prison. And understand, I remember when I went over to Cameroon, Africa, that prisons and hospitals are quite a bit different than what we have here in the United States. I remember going to a hospital there in Cameroon and, and, I, and, and uh, bless their hearts with the equipment that they, they didn't have or did have and the uh, conditions. You talk about no private rooms and, and everything like that. And, and if you were in the hospital there, your family would have to come and feed you. They didn't have hot meals in the hospital. Uh, your family would have to come and bathe you in the hospital. They didn't have the staff to bathe people. And so it was in prison. Oftentimes, they would let the family bring the food to the prisoners or help them. And so uh, uh, the disciples of John would come, and they would report to uh, John the things that were going on out there. And so as he's in prison for six months, he begins to wonder about what's going on. He hears all kinds of stories out there. Okay? So that's the setting here. So he sends two of his disciples out and said unto him, Art thou, tell him, art thou, ask him, are, are, is he, are you the expected one? It's interesting. He baptized them about a year and a half previous to this. He says, are you the expected one or do we look for another? There's some doubt here. And when the men were come unto Jesus, they said, John baptized, uh, hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou the one that should come, or do we look for another? So they, uh, there in Luke's gospel, talks the same as there in Matthew. And in the same hour, uh, interesting, Jesus cures many of their infirmities and plagues. Talking about, here's this, John's disciples there. They come and says, hey, are you the one? And Jesus cures these people. And John's disciples get to see uh, what's taking place here uh, by Jesus. And evil spirits were leaving. And, and, the, and those that were blind were given, given sight. And so we see this, this portion of scriptures here when the disciples came. Now, when you look on a map, you'll find that uh, from Nain to uh, how do you say that, uh, down there, and I know some of you might not be able to see it, but, uh, Macarius, close enough, we all want to vote on that, got a better way, sounds good, all right, Macarius is about a hundred miles, so here's John's in prison, and he sends his disciples there a hundred miles to Nain, so that they might ask him if he really is the, uh, the, uh, the anointed one, the expected one. Now, John has some doubts. Why does John have doubts? He baptized Jesus. And not only did he hear Jesus uh, and baptize in him, 
but he also was there and witnessed the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus and said, this is my son whom, whom I'm well pleased. If you saw this coming down and heard this voice from heaven, would you have any doubts? Well, let me tell you. Great miracles take place in our lives, as I've already said, about our salvation. And yet we doubt God taking us through the journey that was ahead of us. We can trust God for our eternal life, but we don't trust God to get us through the day. How come? And may I ask this question, maybe in a little bit different way. Maybe John didn't have as much doubt in Jesus but maybe more doubt in what was taking place with Israel. See, it had actually come now to this place, and you're going to see actually kind of a turn in what's taking place in ministry here because now there's going to start to become more antagonism. I mean, the Pharisees kind of says, oh, is this really the Son of God? And they kind of, But the second year of Jesus' ministry is filled with more antagonism. And John, in prison, is wondering. He's scratching his head. He says, man, I thought Jesus was going to usher in the kingdom. How come Israel's not following? Did Israel get the message wrong? Yes. Now, I say that because oftentimes we, too, can get the message wrong. We, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're a child of we're a part of his kingdom, but we're still in this world. And their expectations were that the king was going to come, and they thought there was going to be political revival and rescue them from the, the, the atrocities of the political movement of Rome. When Jesus came to set up his kingdom, he came to set up his kingdom in our hearts and deliver us from eternal damnation, not so much to free us from the struggles of life. And you know what? Sometimes we as Christians, oftentimes, we will have doubt about God's love. We'll have doubt about God's care because of what are the difficult circumstances of our lives. Does God care? Oh, yes, he does. And we know that he does. There's difficult circumstances. And, and John had incomplete revelation. And the more we understand the Bible, and the more we understand God's word, the more it's going to help us through those struggles of our lives. There are popular misconceptions being preached all over America today that somehow, some way, that if you're a born-again believer, everything should good should happen to you. Started many years ago, maybe something... You might remember and go back in the archives of your mind when one fellow said uh, something good is going to happen to you. Do you remember that uh, famous statement that was made 20, 30 years ago? By the way, it's getting a little warm in here. Is It is. How many are warm? You getting hot? Amen. We'll find out if the air conditionings are working, but it sure doesn't seem like it right now because I'm getting hot too. In more ways than one. Somehow, some way, Mother Larry, we might have to have somebody. We're getting it. They're getting it back there. All right, something happened to our air conditioning. So it's all right to get hot, isn't it? It's okay to sweat. As uh, Brother Ernie said, it's not 97 outside and 100% humidity, but it is getting a little warm. 
So anyways, these misconceptions, and, and even Jesus, uh, I mean, uh, John said, he must increase and I must increase. The problem was with Israel, and, and, uh, and, and, and so Paul, I mean, uh, John is wondering about this, and, and, and there's, there's things that are going on. Remember uh, Joseph. Joseph told his brothers, he says, listen, someday you're going to bow down and, and, and I'm going to be the master. What happened to Joseph after he said that? He was sold as a slave and for 13 years was as a slave and most of that time in prison. I'm going to tell you something. If I could just encourage our folks here, that when you decide to serve the Lord and God shows you things to do, you mark it down. There's going to be a battle out there. Recognize that the battle is with the devil and not with people. Here's a man. Man of the wilderness. Now in the pit. He was a man. Hey, if you could think of John the Baptist, he would, he'd be a great guy to stand up on the soapbox and says, repent. Boy, I tell you what, we need some preachers like that today, don't we? Now he's silenced. Do you know why he was silenced? He was silenced because he stood up for the decency of marriage. You see, in our society, there's a, a movement of tolerance. But I'm going to tell you, when you stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, tolerance goes out the window. By the way, do you know that in the world, in the last few years, there's been over 100,000 Christian martyrs. Well, you don't read about that, do you, much? John stands up and he preaches against the evils of the society and he tells uh, um, the king, he says, listen, you can't marry your brother's wife. And so consequently, he was thrown in prison. And there he's going to be in prison for how long? About a year and a half. He preached, Brother Ernie, for a year and a half. Now he's going to be in prison for a year and a half. Wow. She went forth. You know this part of the Mark's Gospel talking about when Herodias' daughter danced in front of Herod the king and and uh, he says, listen, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. And she said to her mother, who was told not to marry Herod, what shall I ask? And she said, now, understand, John has been in prison for a year and a half. So the message that was given uh, to Herodias and, and to the, the, the group there had been there, and she had been seething on this for a year and a half. And she says, I want the head of John the Baptist. Can people hold on to grudges? Can people hold on to stuff that is unhealthy for them to hold on to? Here, here this woman puts on, this daughter puts on this erotic probably dance, and, 
and mom and and and, and the king says, Listen, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. Mom will give you all this. And what did she want? The head of John the Baptist. Isn't that something, Donna? To think about that. If someone says, Hey, I, I'd like to give you up to a million dollars, would you ask for the head of, of Ernie Rankin? Isn't that a good thing? She said no. She thought about it, though, but she, she did say no. <laughs> she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Wow. The Bible records this, by the way, for our admonition for our instruction, for us to understand that maybe something good isn't going to happen to you. By the way, that was promotion day for John the Baptist. Amen? It really was. We have to understand there's an eternity out there. So anyways, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, go uh, to, uh, to uh, John's disciples, go your way, tell John what you see. You know, it was an issue. They traveled 100 miles. Jesus does all these miracles in front of them. He says, now you go tell John what you see, what you've heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. So they go back, and John knows the Old Testament, Isaiah 29, 18 and 20. By the way, the Old Testament was confirmed long before Jesus came on the scene. Isn't that correct? We have to understand this, that these verses of the Old Testament, the prophecies of Jesus Christ, didn't just happen after the fact. They were before the fact. Here in Isaiah 29, and Jesus knew that John would know this. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book. The eyes of the blind shall be uh, see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. I imagine when they came back and they told John what they had seen, John says, praise God. Don't think your life is in waste because of the struggles that you're going through. I remember a missionary coming home from Africa after serving 20 years over there in Africa. And as he came home, he saw the bands on the, on the shore thinking that possibly they were welcoming him home after 20 years over there in Africa. But as he got closer to the shore, he noticed that the banner didn't say, Welcome home, missionary. It said, Welcome home, Teddy Roosevelt. He had been on a two-week African safari and coming home, and the bands were out there. As the missionary got off the boat, there was no one there to greet him. And you know how you can have a pity party? The old devil sat on his shoulder and says, Hey, look, you served Jesus all your life. Look what it's gotten you. If you'd served me, I could have given you the fame and that glory. About that time, God sent an angel to speak on his other shoulder and says, Son, you just understand you're not home yet. There comes a time when we go home to be with Jesus. Will he say, well done, or how come? The tenderness of the Lord here as he comes. And the disciples go and they, they take uh, the, uh, the message to John. What an encouraging message. Now, I want you to notice here what he says. Verse 24. Now, catch this. 
and, and when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak to the people concerning John. Now, now Donna, this, this kind of hit me a little bit. Here, uh, John has been in prison for six months, and he says, you just go back and tell him what, he, what you've seen. But after his disciples left, he speaks to the crowd about John. You know, sometimes we can get a big head for what people say about us. Isn't that correct? Not always what difficulties we handle. Maybe this is just kind of showing that. But sometimes the successes in our life can create greater struggles because pride can enter in. Sometimes we can think, hey, I can do this without God. David? God will say, go ahead. How well does that work out for us? Don't let our past successes be anchors to our future. And so here, Jesus brings this dissertation to the disciples that are a part of his entourage that traveled 25 miles to Nain. They're still there in Nain. And, and it says, after he departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. And he says, what went you out in the wilderness to see? What, what did you go see? Fancy clothes? A, a reed shaken with the wind? Now that's an interesting, Gary, that's an interesting statement. And the idea there that I, I believe, Brother Frank, that he's bringing out is that this weed would be going and being shaken by the uh, popularity of the message. That makes sense. He didn't. He didn't take a, a back seat when when he had to stand up for marriage. Do you take a back seat when you have to stand up for marriage? God's biblical plan for marriage. Preachers don't do that, do we? Rank. Stand up for truth. He says, "What well, went you out to see?" I was interesting. Three times he says, "What did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? Did you want to see the fancy clothes, the soft raiment, the gorgeous apparel, the that lives delicately that are in the king's courts? Did you want to be impressed by the successes of life?" By the way, Matthew chapter three. In case you didn't know this, he had on different attire, didn't he? It says he had camel's hair on. He had a leather girdle. And uh, his meat was locusts and wild honey. Wow. Isn't that something? You just, you just, I mean, you just get fallen in love with John the Baptist. When he saw the Pharisees coming in, by the way, they wore their fancy robes. They came to his baptism. And he said, an old generation of vipers. Man, if people came to church and the preacher got up and says, listen, you generation of snakes. How many would want to go back to that church? Listen, the Bible says that in the end times, people would rather have their ears tickled than sound doctrine. God give us healthy doctrine. He says, 
Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? By the way, John's baptism was a different kind of baptism than what we have today. We need to understand that. His was the baptism of repentance. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was paving the way for the Messiah to come. Today we get baptized as an evidence of being saved. Isn't that right? It's not saving us. It doesn't help us to get into heaven. It is a step of obedience, and I encourage anybody who has not been baptized after they've been saved to get baptized because that is a step of obedience. But John's baptism was that people have decided now to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to make this change, and they're coming to hear about the Messiah. And these Pharisees were coming out there. They wanted to see what was going on in the wilderness. They were curious. John says, you bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, that your heart has been broken by your sin. His was a repentance and understanding that there was sin in their lives and they needed to come to an almighty, gracious God. And verse 9 says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham our fathers. I like what you said this morning, uh, 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 Josh, in that it wasn't because of your grandparents you got saved. It wasn't because of your parents. You had to have an individual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what John is preaching. I don't care whether you're a Baptist. I don't care whether you're a preacher. I don't care whether you're a deacon. I don't care whether you're raised in a Christian home or not. You need to come to a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Well, this is clear. That's the tragedy today. It's not clear in churches. We want it to be clear here at Westside Baptist. The way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Thank him for it. Don't say you got Abraham your fathers. For I say unto you that God is able to, of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. That's a little sarcastic comment there. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Israel is going to be getting chopped down because Israel rejected the Messiah. And bring not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, a change of direction is what he's talking about there. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. By the way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place when you got saved. You got the Holy Spirit and it puts you into the body of Christ. I am so thankful for that. Praise the Lord. So he says, what did you go to see? All this fancy stuff? He's the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Let's just finish up. This is he of whom is written. Yeah, he's in prison. But I send my messenger, Malachi chapter 3, before thy face shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, by the way, this is a prophecy of Malachi 3, among those who are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Wow. He's called uh, the spirit of Elijah. 
He comes and he preaches the kingdom of, he- of heaven is at hand. He's a messenger. Yes, he's thrown in prison. Today we are messengers. And by the way, we should be crying out there too. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You'll find that the spirit of Elijah comes back in the end times. We need to be aware of those end time prophecies that we're reading and listening about it on Sunday nights in the book of Revelation. Matthew 24 talks about this kingdom is at hand. and Revelation 11 talks about these two witnesses coming. Are you prepared to meet God? I want to encourage you this morning that you need to make sure that you're ready to meet God. It's interesting as this passage ends. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justify God, being baptized with the baptism, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Listen, if you reject the message of the gospel, you are getting a witness against yourself. You do not want to stand before God like that. Here back in Matthew's account, he says, And that day that John baptized, until now the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence taketh it by force. For all the prophets of the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elijah, uh, which was for to come. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Jesus in this account, when this group of people are around there, and he says, listen, there's been a stiff-necked people. There's been a hardness of your heart. But if you'll listen, if you'll follow, if you'll learn, you'll come to Christ. But they hardened their hearts. And he concludes this passage, and I just want to throw this out here, because as we started this message with a Bible and about having our hearts broken and things like this, notice what it says here. Listen, this is a stern warning. We might not catch it right at the beginning, but he talks about in the past up to John, there's been this hardness, there's been this rejection. As you read the Bible, you find out that Israel time and time and time again would not follow the Lord and his paths. But he says, what about right now? And this could be preached to us today. He says, whereunto shall I liken this generation? Notice what he says. It's like unto children sitting in the market and then calling unto their followers. It's actually a statement of saying that these, these children out there that are, that are calling out and they're making fun and they're being critical. They're actually taking stuff and turning it around. It says in verse 17, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. In other words, the idea, and it's interesting how he's bringing this out, and, and probably most of us, and if I had not studied this, I wouldn't even understand what is being said here. He's saying, listen, when we come and say it's time to celebrate, you don't dance. Huh? You don't celebrate? Let me ask you a question. Should we be celebrating the Lord? What, Baptist dancing? That'd be a new thing, wouldn't it? Brother Chris said, man, you ought to run around the building work off some of that energy. Notice what else he says. We have mourned unto you. 
you've not lamented. Sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? There's a time to weep, but there's a time to rejoice. There's times in our lives where we need to get on our knees and say, God, forgive me. Break my heart. Help me to see it the way that you see it. Pride comes in and says, man, you're not going to tell me what to do. Notice what he says. He says the same ideas here in verse 18. John came neither eating or drinking, and they said, he hath a devil. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and he said, Behold, he's a gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. You see what's saying there? They take just the opposite. They try to justify. They become critical. I'm telling you, if God doesn't break our hearts and we don't listen and we don't follow the Lord, we will become critical. I was reading a book uh, a couple weeks ago. And it call, called folks cave dwellers. Constantly against virtually everything. I want to encourage you today. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to say amen. By the way, uh, brother was preaching, uh, praying up here. Man, there was a lot of amens in that prayer. Amen. It's okay to say amen. Amen. Good. Then there's times where our hearts are broken and we weep. You get it? But they did just the opposite, Brother Turner. Just the opposite. And they missed it. Father, I pray that you'll help us. Help us to get the message here. Here's a man in prison for standing up for truth. And we see over 100,000 martyrs for Christian faith, and they say that there are more martyrs today than has ever been. Because there are people standing for truth. Help us not to get confused. Help us not to let doubts come in and wondering whether what we're doing right or wrong based on the things that are happening in our lives. Lord, we need to be spirit-led. We need to make sure that we understand what you want us to do. Lord, I'm thankful that you break my heart. I'm thankful that I can go to my brother and say, Lord, brother, will you forgive me? My sister, whatever it might be, Lord, you speak to our hearts. Yes, there's times when the word of God needs to go out as a sword and as a hammer to crack through the prides of life. And I pray that this morning that each of our congregation here, including this preacher, would have a tender heart. So that you can speak. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed and our time is gone. And thank you for staying with me a few extra moments. But I want to ask you this question. Is God speaking to your heart right now about your relationship with him? And two aspects of that. Number one. Is do you have a relationship with him? How can you describe that relationship you have with God? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If you were to die today, are you certain that you'd spend eternity in heaven? You say, preacher, from the onset, maybe even when Joshua was given that testimony, there was a pricking in my heart that, that I need to make sure that I'm on my way to heaven. 
That's the creator of the universe using his Holy Spirit and the word of God to come and to pound on your heart's door. Why don't you just open it right now? Say, Lord, thank you for showing me that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for helping me come today to church to hear the word of God, that it might work in my life. And right now, I need to get saved. I need, to, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ to go to heaven. If that's your prayer right now, why don't you invite him in? And if you're inviting him in, or this is a desire of your heart, or God's working this way, would you just slip up your hand for a moment? Just hold there for a second, and I'll include you in the closing prayer this morning as we conclude our service. Father, you've seen all these hands. And I pray that, Lord, that you'll just help them today. If they need more counsel, I pray that you'll help them. Help them not to go out lost. Help them to be saved. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed.